Do you think it's neurotic to brush your teeth seven times a day? Yup. Shit. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Damn. We just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. Yeah, we try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. It's <laughs> mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. And welcome to Freudian Sips, the podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. It's been a long time. It feels like it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a really long Isn't time. Isn't that weird? Just one week. And yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, Sipsters. We, uh, we were not in a headspace to do a podcast <laughs> last week. This podcast about psychology, sometimes the people involved need to do self-care. We were doing some ruthless self-care. We were. We, we were planning on recording the episode, and then we're both like, <laughs> No. no. Not going to yeah. do that. So actually, this is a healthy thing to talk about. Yeah. You know, we always say that you should be self-aware and you should do self-care. And and so we practice what we preach. Wow. <laughs> really heartening to hear you burst into laughter in the middle of that. Well, we don't usually. That's my we, point. We're trying to do it more. <laughs> we're trying to be better yes. at it. So yeah, we took a little time. Yes. But it's so good to be back with you again. It is for big old episode 49. 49. We're getting very close. And we actually, are. we're like at the year mark this week, I think. I want to say the week. beginning of Feb. That can't be right. Beginning of February, which is right now. You're right. It's February. It's February. Oh, Hello, dang. February. <laughs> dang, it's it was February. like February 9th was our first one or somewhere around Wow. There. You know that way better than I do. Yeah. Yeah. This will be. We're getting close. Because yeah. that makes sense because there's been a couple weeks where we haven't done a numbered right. episode. Right. So, uh huh. I was doing the math today in my head, but yeah, I'm, mm-hmm, I'm excited. And so next time, today we're doing 49, but for our 50th, we're doing a mailbag episode. Mailbag. Mailbag. So we've we've kind of gathered a couple topics, a couple questions that our faithful listeners would like us to talk about. And if you have any, if you're listening to this right now and you have any, you want to throw at us so mm-hmm. we can answer it in short form. We won't be doing a whole episode on any of the topics. I think. Right. We'll we, just put them all together and right, do a short. Right. Divided into several. But if you want to send us anything, tweet us Freudian Sips Pod. Um, send us something on Facebook. Email us Freudian Sips Pod at gmail.com. Send it to us, and we will try to address your concerns. Right. And if it's a topic that's going to take a lot longer, we'll just kind of dip our toe in it, and then maybe do a whole episode right. later about it. Yeah, we have a few already. But if you, it's not too late, you can still let us know, and we'll throw you in the mailbag. <laughs> I think this is also our first actual episode since the new shirts went up. It's up. So if you are interested, it says shoot for the moon because even if you miss, you will explode in the vacuum of space. (laughs) If you are interested in having a shirt with those words on it to wear on your body, go to FreudianSipSpot.com and click on the merch link and it will take you to our site. And I like how they have have like the 
regular cut t-shirts and they have the womanly woman cut. Yeah, because some of us like the big fluffy ones and some of us like the svelte I really limited myself because the way the merch site works, it's like a different product for every type of shirt. Oh my. And I really was like, I wanted them to be able to put it on a hoodie or, or a pillow or whatever the heck. But I had to limit myself. So I limited myself. I think to you did good. Thank you. And we talked about that in which episode? When did you when did you give that fabulous quote? I have no idea. It was a goals? Quiz. It's called a root and toot and goals wizard. I'm not sure what the, t- what number, the, the number is. <laughs> but yeah, that's where that shirt came from. And someone recommended that you make it into a shirt because you said something so hilarious. So that funny. it will go down in it's history. So okay. All right. Can we get started on what we're doing today? Yeah, let's rock and roll. We've been we've been pre-recording for like 32 <laughs> minutes. So we're <laughs> we're going to jump right in. Jump right in after 32 minutes. Am I going first? I think so. Okay. What what are we talking about today? Well, today we're doing our volume 2 of Ology Wologies. We're t- I didn't realize it was ology wologies. It is now. Okay, now it is. So episode 27, we talked about phrenology and graphology. Mm-hmm. And then we said, there's a lot of ologies we could talk about. Uh-huh. We're like, we should do another ology volume. And then it was really hard to find other <laughs> ologies. <laughs> it was like, I thought there were a lot of those. <laughs> I know. Where are they all now? Scrounging the depths of the internet <laughs> trying to find something and... I think it was just because they're not necessarily called ologies. Could, Although we did find two that were ologies. So we're yes, on. we have two ologies fresh off the presses for you, sipsters. <laughs> and actually, <I'm> not- <laughs> what? What? I don't know. I feel like we're we're a little off kilter today. There's going to be some like- cutting going on. <laughs> Anna and the editing tool will be busy later this week. <laughs> snip, snip, <laughs> monkey huggers. <laughs> so the one that I'm going to be talking about is actually something that I mentioned during the phrenology bit of the mm. last episode. It's called personology is the way it fits into the ology category. But I talked about it as physiognomy, which is, I think, what it's more widely it sounds, known as. It sounds much more scientific-y when you say it that way. Well, it's definitely not that. Okay. So uh, okay. I, should, I should call it personology because that's more on par with what it is. It's related to phrenology. Phrenology is related to it more so. Okay, like in 25 words or less, remind us what phrenology is. Phrenology is the study of the shape of the head to see what your personality is. Uh-huh. Were you counting on your fingers to see if I did that? <laughs> I, no, you're just- I was just thinking that I wanted to tell the Sipsters that Anna gave me this awesome Christmas present this year. And it's the it's a, the phrenology head. Yes. And it is now in my counseling Not office. Not one of the real ones. But Not uh, like somebody's head. No. But it's the... So in our phrenology episode, we we talk about like the different parts of the skull and like, mm-hmm. oh, this part above your right eye means this. And it's labeled exactly that. Like right. it's it's modeled after the original phrenology bus. So. Uh-huh. That was cool. It was very cool. Thank you. That was a Welcome. wonderful present. Welcome. And my clients are like, ooh, what's that? <laughs> ooh, can I touch it? Like, no. Nope. <laughs> it's just a look at. No touching. <laughs> no touching. Okay. So at its most basic physiognomy is related to that it's trying to figure out a person's character or personality based on their physical appearance Mm. so it's not really like phrenology because phrenology is like a physical structure like the physical structure of your head like the dips and stuff bumps and dips yeah but this is the appearance 
like how a person actually looks. Huh. So where did this all start? The answer is long time ago. Notions of physiognomy appear as early as ancient Greek poetry, and they also showed up in ancient India, and Chinese physiognomy, which is called face reading, goes back about a thousand years as well. Our boy Aristotle in the 4th century BC made frequent references to the relationship between appearance and character. He Hmm. was a real big believer in physiognomy. Actually, the first treatise on physiognomy is attributed to him. Do you want to guess what it's called? Guess what it's called? Face. <laughs> face. Face by Aristotle. Just, just <laughs> face. <laughs> That's what it's called, Mom. You got it in one. Good job. He's so smart. That's like Aristotle's one-man show. Just face. Just face. See Aristotle, Aristotle now will now do his just slam face. poetry. Just face. <laughs> what's it called Anna what's it called it's called physiognomonica <laughs> I think that was his girlfriend's name physiognomonica Monica is definitely in there <laughs> it is a distinct word in there his girlfriend's name was Monica she was like Aristotle why don't you ever put my name in any of right, your stuff right about my face Aerie <laughs> <laughs> you always tell me my face is so pretty lol why don't you make like a whole like ology of my face <laughs> Aaron. What does my nose say about what I like to do? <laughs> you do that voice a little too well for your own good. I just, sorry, I blacked out. <laughs> can I talk to Anna, please? Oh, hi, uh, hi. Hi, oh, hi. Are we recording? Monica, can I talk to Anna? <laughs> Everyone has a Monica in there somewhere. <laughs> just got to tap in. Now, actually, Physiognomonica was from his school, his students, and it Uh. probably wasn't actually written by him, Mm. which makes it even more hilarious if we do take the headcanon of it was his girlfriend saying he should write it. (laughs) And then he's like, sure, baby. Yeah, totally. And like made his grad students write it. (laughs) I need to stay in good with my girl. His unpaid interns are writing slam poems about Monica's nose. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. So I tried to find some specific, because when I think about like physiognomy, I want to hear like the brass tacks. I want to hear what people thought certain physical traits meant. Right. But it's actually kind of hard to find that stuff. Hmm. So some specific examples in Aristotelian physiognomy. Do you like that Wow. One? Do you like that one? <laughs> Holy crap, Anna. You have like the chef's the tongue. kiss. <laughs> the tongue of a wordsmith. Okay. Not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> so, so actually. You should get a tattoo that says that. <laughs> I have the tongue of a word. No. <laughs> or a graphic of some no, sort. No, I don't want that. I don't want that. Uh, but actually the examples I could find, Mom, you're getting me off top. The examples I could find were from a work called History of Animals. What? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so people with high foreheads are sluggish, huh. uh, while those with broad foreheads are excitable, and small <laughs> foreheads are fickle, and bulging foreheads... <laughs> I'm feeling my forehead. ...revealed a quick-tempered individual. Huh. So that could be kind of phrenology-ish. Yeah, that is, very, that is very phrenology. Uh, straight eyebrows are a sign of a soft disposition, but eyebrows that curve out toward the temples... Signal a mocking and evasive personality. 
Eyebrows curving down toward the nose indicate a harsh temper. So That's if you're everybody, forehead, isn't if, it? If your forehead's big <laughs> and your eyebrows <laughs> curve down, off. watch out! You're just mad all the time. <laughs> I like this one. People who blink a lot are indecisive and unstable, but those who stare without blinking are impudent. Oh. There's like no in there's between. No good. It's not like, <laughs> I know there's nothing nice so far. It's like, hey, if you if you have kind of a big nose, you're probably a great person. Good job, bud. None of that. It's like you are harsh tempered or you're too soft. <laughs> it's so mean. Aristotle's mean. Ears Uh-oh. were especially revealing. He okay. said, "I'm ready." Large projecting ears were a sign that the person indulged in a lot of silly chatter. Like they listened to chatter, or they actually chattered themselves. I don't. Huh. <laughs> that would be the most one-to-one correlation is if you had big ears and they're like, you like to listen to gossip. <laughs> that is, I can't help it, man. I hear everything. A, B, right there. I can't help it. They're I like try not megaphone. to listen, but I can hear someone from like three miles away. <laughs> like a bat. Okay. <laughs> okay, still in the Greek philosopher realm, a physiognomist inspected Socrates. I love this story so much. They inspected Socrates and announced that Socrates was given to intemperance, sensuality, and violent bursts of passion. Wow. I like him. So basically, (laughs) homeboy was dumb and angry and kind of a perv. (laughs) That's what they they said. And Socrates' students went ballistic. They're like, Socrates is nothing like that. Because of the way he looked? I'm sorry. I'm confused. Yeah. Okay. Which I couldn't find again. I couldn't find like the specifics like, oh, because his forehead looks like this. Right, right. But the physiognomical, maybe. (laughs) That's pretty good. Examination Uh said that he had these characteristics. And his students were flipping out. They're like, Socrates is nothing like that. Don't say that about our teacher dad. And Socrates himself kind of had to say, actually, I am like that, <laughs> but I fight against my urges. Oh. I fight against my who I, like my natural urgings toward yeah. personality to be who I want to be. Huh. Which supports the thing that we can choose yeah. who we turn out to be, even if we have tendencies. Right. Physiognomy fell out of favor a bit in the Middle Ages. It's mentioned in the Canterbury Tales as physnomy, F-I-S. N-A-M-Y. Some, some Middle Ages ye old slang happening. <laughs> it's like text speak. How can, yeah, I was going to say, how can we shorten this? So LOL. beginning of the Middle Ages, it was pretty widely accepted still. A guy named, I'm serious, Michael Scott. If you've ever watched The Office, Michael Scott in the Middle Ages. Wow, he lived a long time. He did. Was a court scholar in the 13th century, and he wrote a lot on the subject of physiognomy, and it was even taught in English universities for a time. Wow. So this happened until Henry VIII of England outlawed, quote, beggars and vagabonds playing subtle, crafty, and unlawful games such as physnomy or palmistry in oh. 1530. Oh, oh, oh. Put a pin in put that. Put a pin in, in palmistry. Mm-hmm. So people rejected physnomy. And went back to physiognomy. <laughs> That's one way to do it. It's like, we're just going to rebrand, yeah, guys. Just, yeah. It was from the ancient Greek, sounded smarter. They decided to go back to it. But Leonardo da Vinci rejected physiognomy as a, quote, chimera with no scientific foundation. Da Vinci huh. hitting the nail on the head. The field went quiet for a while until about 1775 when a Swiss pastor, and if you've listened to the phrenology episode, you will recognize this name, Johann Kaspar Lavater pioneered modern physiognomy. 
This does require some backtracking, because Lavater found confirmation about his physiognomy stuff from a guy before him, Thomas Brown, who was an English physician philosopher in the early 1600s. Brown talked about physiognomy in relation to religion and moral philosophy, so that was kind of where his physiognomy was at play. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to mention Brown specifically because he introduced the concept of caricatures. Oh. So these are basically visual physiognomy gags. Huh. And we still use these. Absolutely. I mean, look at political cartoons are, I think, the best way to look at it. Uh We look at political cartoons and we know exactly who the cartoonist is rooting for Mm -hmm. because they play up very unflattering aspects of the person's character by playing up physical physical. parts. Yeah. Right. So... We still use this a little bit. We Uh just don't say it's a science. Right. But it's still part of our culture, which I hadn't connected before I read that. Okay, back to Lavater. He got his fair share of criticism, but his work led into a resurgence of physiognomy ideas. So there were still people going, hey, this is nonsense. But there were some people like, hmm, this is some nonsense I could get behind. (laughs) Academics latch onto it especially, and it affected portraiture and especially literature. I don't know if portraiture just means having like portraits. Done. When you go to a carnival and they do the, the portrait, those characters, maybe <laughs> those characters. That's right. uh, Charles Dickens and Charlotte Bronte, among others, used detailed description of characters to inform what types of people these characters were. Like oh. you could kind of tell who they were by Either how they were they physically looked. described. Right. <laughs> this wasn't in my research, but it's the one that pops into my head. Ayn Rand does this so much. Have you ever, ever read an Ayn Rand book? No. Her philosophy is whack, but I like the way she writes her prose. And you can always tell who's an Ayn Rand protagonist because they are very sharp featured. (laughs) They're like, if they have like cutting cheekbones and like a sharp jaw, they are the protagonist. And if they're like doughy, they're the antagonist. (laughs) Like always. That's interesting. Edgar Allan Poe and Oscar Wilde, uh, especially in the picture of Dorian Gray, played with physiognomy ideas, played with physicality reflecting... The outside reflecting the inside, basically. Right. Phrenology happened at some point. <laughs> That's <laughs> part of this. Again, listen to episode 27 for more on phrenology. About phrenology, Lavater said in his work on physiognomy, hilariously titled The Pocket Lavater. I love that. And I had to mention it again. I know I talked about it a <laughs> yeah, lot. I was going to say, I, think I remember that. I love it. Of the forehead, when the forehead is perfectly perpendicular from the hair to the eyebrows, it denotes an utter deficiency of understanding. So if you have a flat forehead, you're dumb. If you dumb. have a flat forehead, you're dumb. If you have a bulging forehead, you're You're mean. angry. Yeah. You can't win with your forehead. What's just, it supposed to do? <laughs> Wavy, maybe? <laughs> I was going to say, what does a happy forehead look like? <laughs> I want a happy forehead. Uneven? I don't know. <laughs> In the late 1800s, Sir Francis Galton, who has a thousand titles, I try. I looked him up, uh-huh. and he was like, "Did you?" I, see I know him? what you mean. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's like uh, physician, physiognomist, author. Yeah. <laughs> they just like go on. He's Pole like dancer. It's like the police. <laughs> but he tried to define physiog physiognomic characteristics with photography. I'm glad I don't have all these hard words in my. It's section. just the. The consonants in <laughs> physiognomy a lot are of weirdly consonants. placed. <laughs> so specifically, he used composite photography. This is really interesting. So he took images of different people and mm-hmm. superimposed them on each other. He used it to like average out features. One specifically that it mentioned was he took a bunch of pictures of violent criminals. He superimposed them on each other and then theorized that the composite looked 
more respectable than the criminal's singular because the composite smoothed out the irregularities of their faces, huh. like their skin and stuff. Or I, even out their forehead or whatever. Yeah, even out their forehead. Because the forehead is where we store all that. Apparently. So I, to me, the thesis of that is that our irregularities are how we can tell who we are. And the more average it is, it's harder to tell. Huh. But that makes me kind of sad. Because you don't want to be average. Well, I... You don't want everybody to be alike. I think a lot of people do. I think that's what our society tries to say is right. I think our society tries to say you need to fit this certain image. Uh-huh. I mean, for women and men... You know, that we need to fit this certain image of beauty. Right. And those beauty standards change over time. And some are more healthy than others. But we try to fit in a mold. And that's really sad. Because mm-hmm. some of the most beautiful people I've ever seen have very unique features. That's what makes them striking. I agree. And so it's it's sad to look at like, oh, but if you have ears that look a little weird, you're a gossip. I don't know. <laughs> like, leave their ears alone, Aristotle. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. So in the mid-1800s, 19th century, the research I was looking at always switched those. It confuses me. I always like, have to think about it when they say, you know, like a century. Me, it's like, shouldn't that be 1900s? Right. But the 19th century is the 1800s. Because the first century would be like year one. Right. It's stupid. It's confusing. It's dumb. So physiognomy began to be used in criminology when huh. an Italian doctor and scientist Cesar Lambroso, which is not Italian. The, the accent I just used was not Italian. Um, but he began to use ideas from Darwin and suggested that criminality was inherited and that their physicality reflected their the criminality, that, basically. Yeah. That criminals were throwbacks to early phases of evolution. Oh, that seems harsh. <laughs> Well, it seems harsh and also a little bit reductive. Like, it's not like the people who are doing crimes are just Neanderthals. Yeah. That seems like a really weird way to go with that. So let's guess. I want you to guess, Mom. Let's make a little Oh, I game. hate these games because I'm yeah, terrible at so them. Fun. You're going to guess what Lombroso thought were physical indicators of criminality. Okay. Okay. So let's let's start with like the jaw area. What do you think you said about the jaw? It could go both ways because I could see that like if you had <laughs> Underbite like a, or overbite? <laughs> yeah. Like, like if you had like a weak jaw that like I could see that he would maybe think that was like a someone who was not sincere or somebody who was... Weak jaw. Like, you know, like a, I don't know how to describe that. Yeah. But I could also... When you were describing one of the other characters before about the real cutting, like the mm. real structured jaw, that could be like a really tough guy, you know? Yeah. He said a forward projection... Of the so, jaw. Underbite? That would be an underbite, underbite. yeah. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transform my face to be the ideal <laughs> criminal as I go. <laughs> crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> I just, my bones start cracking. Wait, <laughs> okay, what about the forehead? We've, we've, done, we've done a lot of forehead talk in this episode. What about the forehead? It says you're a criminal. Uh, the bulgy one? <laughs> you would think. Are the real, real high one? It says low sloping. So like low slope, so it slopes like down on the bottom. I think so. Okay, like there's a slope lower toward your nose. Yeah, we haven't heard that at all yet. Okay, this one should be pretty easy. What about cheekbones? I guess high cheekbones. Yes. Yeah. Why is that in our consciousness? Because that immediately when I thought of cheekbone or saw the cheekbone thing, I was like, oh yeah, like high cutting cheekbones. I don't know. It kind of makes you look more 
evil. Yeah, it's back to that doughy, the opposite of doughy. Right. Because when you don't have high cheekbones, you're kind of poofy and squishy. I think of, of uh, who's the guy who plays Sherlock on BBC? Uh-huh. Benedict yeah. Cabbage Patch. Yeah, Cabbage Patch. <laughs> Bumblebee Cabbage Patch. <laughs> That's totally not his name, but close enough. Close enough. Yeah, he has cheekbones. Bazinga crumble bottom. <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> okay, so a sloping to the bottom forehead, a underbite, badonkadonk, crumble thumble, high <laughs> cheekbones with yeah, like cabbage patch. Cabbage patch. What about what about your nose? There's two options for this. Uh, I think like wide and flat. Flattened nose was one of them. Flattened or upturned. Upturned. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. Like a who. All the who's are evil criminals. (laughs) They are kind of creepy. They are kind of criminals. (laughs) I thought you were going to be like, they are kind of criminals. (laughs) No, just creepy. I don't don't judge them. All right. Creepy. Eyes is pretty easy. Beady eyes. Hard, shifty eyes. Scanty beard or baldness. Scanty beard or baldness. Yes. Huh. Long arms relative to lower limbs. That makes sense. So you can reach into windows. Monkey, <laughs> monkey, monkey arms. for things. The better to reach into windows with my dear. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is. That's this, gross. And I'm. I'm ideal I'm, criminal. I'm masculinizing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I, I think it, they work Which is too. not very fair, but okay. I mean, I think that's the angle that they were going from as right. well. Okay. Insensitivity to pain is listed. I don't think that's a physical thing. I mean, it's not a physical. You can't see you it can't on the outside. Yeah, that yes. that shouldn't fit into this category. It doesn't. So obviously, this notion has been a little discredited. Oh, okay. A little bit. Okay. And all physiognomy was eventually discredited. Actually, this is hilarious because of its connection to phrenology. <laughs> Oh, so, so they like oh, discredited so phrenology, and then they were like, physiognomy is kind of like that. That's probably BS too, right? And everyone was like, yeah. However, in the modern times, believe it or not, it's back, baby. In the modern times, physiognomy is back now. In the 20th century, these ideas came back under a new name, morphopsychology. Holy crap! Created by a French psychiatrist, Louis Cormand, in 1927. <laughs> So I love when you speak French. Gourmand said, for example, full and round body shapes are considered the expression of the instinct of expansion, while the hollow or flat shapes are expression of self-preservation. What the hell? If you're skinny, you want to self-preserve. And what is, what is the round? That's me. What's the round, round one? <laughs> Consider it the expression of the instinct of expansion. That's me. Of the <laughs> in the 1990s, holy, that's like not that long ago. It's 30 years ago. Let's be real. Oh my God, that's really long. <laughs> you were, yeah. Mom's eyes just like I was got like, so oh, big. Oh, that was really long time ago. <laughs> so in the 1990s, research suggested that three specific personality elements can be reliably inferred power, warmth, and honesty. And also, you can tell if someone's gay by the whirls in their hair. <laughs> this is what in is the 90s, a everybody. In hair? Anyway, what is a whirl I in your hair? I think the way your hair, like, like the from the scalp, or the... Maybe, I, like the way it swirls, basically. Like 
counterclockwise or That's clockwise. That's very phrenology-ish. It's dumb is what it is. And it's from the 90s. Wow. So everyone take research. Not so seriously. <laughs> take everything with a grain of salt, please. Even if it came out last year. Like, yeah. be critical. Exactly. Be critical thinkers. A February 2009 article in New Scientist magazine. Yeah, New Scientist. No kidding. Reported that physiognomy is living a small revival with research papers trying to find links between personality traits and facial traits. A study of 90 ice hockey players found a statistically significant correlation between a wider face, so a greater than average cheekbone to cheekbone distance relative to the distance between the brow and the upper lip, Okay. So if your face is wider than it is tall, right? I guess. That's a weird face. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been playing hockey and you've been getting hit in the face with the hockey sticks. Well, so that okay, I'll get to that. So what did what did it prove? Uh, the, the there was a correlation between that the wideness of your face uh-huh. and the number of penalty minutes a player received for so like, violent acts like slashing, elbowing, and checking from behind and fighting. So again, so, this is like. Correlation does not equal causation kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. Maybe they just got hit in the face so many times. They were <laughs> it pissed pushed off. Their face. It smashed their face. It made them angry. They get lots of penalties. That's Maybe my so. that's my Maybe so. I think that's my hypothesis of that study. Okay, so now remember when I talked about the composite photography? Yes. So the new physiognomy is kind of using that as a tool as well, but they're including facial recognition technology and machine learning. Oh. In 2017, a controversial study, as if the other ones have been totally on the up and up, <laughs> said that an algorithm could detect sexual orientation more accurately than humans in 81% wow. of the tested cases for men and 71% for women. And it's widely been claimed to be junk science by like BBC But that's 2017? Yeah. Holy cow. What's this thing with trying to let people come out on their own? Good Lord. So. We're very, we're, we're very preoccupied with trying to figure out what people do in the bedroom. That's kind of true. So the AR gaydar is what I'm calling it, was mainly focusing on malleable physical traits. So basically they're claiming it's junk science because the things they're looking at are like presentation and grooming, which is not physiognomy. No. That's Ab- a different duh. Thing. Yeah. Like physiognomy is the so physical structure of So that's basically just body. like looking at how someone It's like that man has brushed his grooms. hair. He probably likes other guys. <laughs> the and he has swirls thing. on his head. <laughs> his hair swirls and he's brushed his hair. Double hair whammy. His hair Gay. swirls to the right. Gay. Oh, it swirls to the left. Yes. Okay, you know what that means. So some of the main criticisms to this and the whole of physiognomy are... One, pattern seeking. Humans seek patterns. We want to have patterns because they're reliable. They give us comfort. Uh-huh. And the human mind tends to find patterns even when there are none. And they tend to extrapolate emotions from facial expressions. So when we combine those two, physiognomy is basically extrapolating like from this valid social skill of reading people's emotions by assuming things about permanent characteristics because we want that to be reliable. Right. We want that to be linked with something we can see so we can know how people are. Uh When in reality, those two things don't actually have anything to do with each other. Right. I mean, like, there are things we can... We talked about this a little bit when I mentioned physiognomy in the phrenology episode. There are things about our appearance that we can point to as indicators of who we are, maybe. Like, yeah, I'm not super skinny, so maybe someone would infer about me that I'm a little lazy. And they'd probably be right. (laughs) I'm a little lazy. So I don't agree with that, but, but okay. Like, I see what but you're saying. You know what I mean? Like there are things about our phys- 
like physical form uh-huh. that people would probably be able to to say something about us but it's things that are changeable it's not like our bone structure but it is weird like things do you, have you ever like seen a person the the one that comes to mind for me is your eyes like you see somebody and you go uh, yeah, they have. Eyes. <laughs> yeah, I always, I always feel like their eyes are too close together, or their eyes are too wide. Oh. You know, like it, it makes you kind of either doubt their sincerity, and it's like, wow, that's really not fair because they can't help it if their eyes are close together. Right? Yeah. But it's that you know he's got beady eyes, he's yeah. got shifty eyes, like you said. Yeah. The mark of a criminal: shifty right. eyes and high cheekbones. <laughs> Benedict Cabbage Patch. <laughs> but I agree with you that we, the one of our things that we do is we want to be able to have knowledge of things that maybe we can't have knowledge of. Yeah. It's that control thing. It that, is a control thing. That we all have. Some of us, yes, are more controlling than others of us. But we all have some degree of that, that we want to control our environment. We want to control what we know about things. I like how you said that. We we look for patterns. We look right. for ways to. And, and that leads into the next criticism, which is about self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. So if we look at someone and we're judging them by their physical characteristics. So if we look at... Beelzebub cattle prod. And and we're... Oh, dear God. His name is... We all know who I'm talking about, though, right? Okay. So so if we... we, uh, I just can't... I can't go on. If we look at... We we look at his cheekbones and we say, this man's a criminal. And we treat them... I broke mom. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so done. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. This is my last bullet. <laughs> we just gotta get through. Just gotta get through this. Can we please just? <laughs> Glasses are askew. <laughs> Can we just name somebody else? He also pop cattle, bro. <laughs> So that we can have that forever. Because I'll, I'll, I'll put it in my next D&D game. <laughs> okay, thank you. Because that's a name that should go on forever. <laughs> okay, what was the point uh, okay, of self-fulfilling prophecy? So because he has... Yeah, so if we, if we look at someone and we say, oh, your forehead makes you look dumb, and we treat them like they're dumb, uh-huh. it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy where they're going to like maybe believe that about themselves, and they're going to act to the expectations that others are putting on them. And, and so like if we treat someone like a criminal, they're probably going to act more criminal. It's, it's about, you know, that control thing can go too far in the direction of, I want to control what I think they must be like because of how they look, and then they will play to that expectation. Mm-hmm. We do that to people. Oh, though. yeah, absolutely. I mean, based on people's weight, oh, based yeah. on the way, you know, their height, their, they, there's so many things, mm-hmm. physical stuff. Right. And we, we ascribe that to the quality of a person's character. Right. And then they want to so live horrible. up or down to that expectation. Exactly. All Good right. Point. Good point. Thank you. That's where I'll end it. <laughs> I can't follow that. That's. <laughs> I think we should just wrap it up. I'm gonna Let's just I'm wrap gonna it up. I'm gonna keep brainstorming names for Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> while you talk? <laughs> Can you look up his real name? Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, that's really actually his name. <laughs> that's his real name. That's, that's not sounds, a bit. That sounds. That's fake. not a bit. 
That's <laughs> I know. Savage patches. Uh, there's okay. there's a great article online from a linguist who breaks down why all those names that I was saying sound like it, even if it has nothing. Beelzebub Cattle Prod has <laughs> nothing to do with Benedict Cumberbatch, but you knew who I was talking about. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, how about if I take a deep breath now? Okay. <sighs> okay. Mom, what are you talking about? I am talking about chirology. Which is also? Palmistry. Yeah. Which is what we put a pin in earlier. Henry VIII doesn't like it. He doesn't it. like it <laughs> That's because all we know. he had fat little hands. That's and they probably so- said very bad things about his little That's hands. some physiognomy going on. <laughs> There is kind of a link if you think Fat about little it. Fat little hands. Fat little hands. If, if you are, if you have very, very long arms and fat little sausage hands, you are the ultimate criminal. You are Henry VIII, who beheaded his wives. So yeah. You can pilfer from four miles away. Okay. So chirology is actually, it's, it's a branch off of palmistry. And we don't want to say that they're exactly the same thing. But um, the word chirology means knowledge of the hand i like it so to speak and so i'm going to talk to you a little bit about are you gonna give me a genuine palm reading i'm gonna actually talk about the shape of your hand in a little bit oh okay okay um because it's kind of hard i mean we'll talk about the lines on our hands but it's hard to do this without pictures so but i can kind of have you okay look at your hand but let me tell you a little bit about where maybe this all came from I always want to say cryology, so forgive me if I do that, but it's chirology. It's also called at times chiromancy or chirosophy. Okay. Chirosophy. Chirosophy. I have to to think of philosophy when I say it. I can't do it. So it's kind of like, it's reading the character, um, but also, you know, your own character, but also kind of divination of the future by interpreting the lines and the bumps the bulges, and the shape of your hand. So the origins of palmistry are really kind of uncertain. They probably started reading palms in ancient India, and it spread from there. And it was probably from their original Indian home that the whole fortune-telling started with, like, gypsies and that kind of thing. But Bulging palm chirologist. <laughs> is, the chiro- is the guy from Sherlock, too. Chiromantic <laughs> art. I'm trying to get that out. Has been known in China, Tibet, Persia, Mesopotamia, which I like to say, and Egypt. And it underwent significant development in ancient Greece as well. So Those ancient Greeks doing all kinds of junk science. They got into everything over there. So medieval palmistry was pressed into service. This kind of seems like a dichotomy, but the witch hunters in medieval times, used it in a sense. I know it's it's Wait like a minute. they're using witching. <laughs> Wait but, a minute. Yeah. If people had a certain pigmentation on their palms, like yeah. spots on their hands, then they believed that was like they had made a pact with the devil. Dang. So the witch hunters used it even though it's kind of witchy. Witchy. But they looked for people who had you gotta spots. You got to be a witch to catch a witch. That's exactly <laughs> right. Takes one to call one. After a period of disreputability, palmistry flourished again in the Renaissance. So this is kind of the way you were talking about how, right, how it, it kind goes of goes in. And... Yeah, it goes in and goes out. In the 17th century, attempts were made to develop some empirical evidence because they were like, hey, I think this is really This real. is a real science, It's guys. not just for witchy witches. <laughs> so after a second ebb during the Enlightenment period, it underwent a popular revival 
in the 19th century with um, the work of a man named, this is one of those guys who had like 15 different names, but right. it's not near as fun as yours. His name is Lewis Hammond. Um, they called him Chiral. Chiral. Sorry, how do you spell that? <laughs> yeah, what's that? What's that? It's C-H-E-I-R-O. Chiral. Churro. Okay, that's the way you would have said. <laughs> He's a churro. But he also had, they also, his name was also William. Like, it's weird because they. His name was also William? I know, isn't what? that weird? You read it like there's three different people, but it's actually all the same guy <laughs> that did all this work. Okay. Breaker of change. Lewis Hammond and Cairo. His magician name. And it William, sounds like a magician name. William, I'm picturing him in a top hat. William Benham. That's, he was. That's his name that he adopted after he actually sawed a woman in half and he had to go on the run. <laughs> <laughs> after Churro the actually kind of inherited that name from his father. Oh. Like they, he took his name. It was. It's a weird. What halfway through his life? It's a what? weird story. I'm telling you, okay. it's a weird story. Okay. So he he was a palmist and an astrologer. He was born in Dublin, Ireland, and his mother was real into the occult. And to palmistry. So he kind of took that and scientificated it. Sure. Yep. That's easy As for you me do. To say. <laughs> but that that's a name that will come back if you if you if you study anything about that pops up a lot. Right. That's that's the big name. Okay, then in the twentieth century, this is gonna this is a big one for you. Okay. You ready? Okay. Palmistry received some renewed attention and interpretation by followers of Dun Dun Dun. Carl Jung. <gasps> really? Because. Because you're a hippie. If because you're Carl, Carl was Young. a hippie dippy and he said, read my palm, baby. That doesn't surprise me at mm, all no. about Carl. So Carl. Listen to episode two for how crazy Carl Jung is. <laughs> we love him though. We love him. Carl wrote a foreword to a book that was written by Julius Spear. Julius Caesar? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the other guy. Oh, okay. Uh, Julius <laughs> other Spear wrote a book called The Hands of Children. <laughs> which basically said I like that, that I know it's creepy <laughs> but it basically said that <laughs> our hands tiny sausage games <laughs> that our hands are reflective of our psyches so it this kind of ties back to what you were talking about you right. know about that this that, is ascribing a lot to a thing that we have no control over exactly so the book was published first in 1944 so that's when the book came out but they actually worked together Julius and and Young worked together on some ideas oh. um, about how our hands reflect our psyches and so he wrote this foreword in the foreword this these are a couple of quotes that Young wrote first he says Chirology is an art which dates back to very ancient times. The findings and the knowledge expounded in this book are of essential importance for psychologists, doctors, educationalists, and others. Spears, chirology is a valuable contribution to character research. That's a pretty... That's a lot. Like, like that's, that. that's putting like a lot a, on it. I know. And then he says... Hmm. <laughs> he says <laughs> maybe I should reword this he says no he says <laughs> I'm sorry I'm stuck. well now you have to say it I'm stuck on your name in the back of my head I keep playing Beelzebub Calfrod is haunting you he's standing right here talking in my ear okay so they called the theory when they studied the hand they call it psychochirology <laughs> and so they they like to add psycho in front of they things put it, to and then make it, makes, it to like legitimize it. Can be it. Psycho pizza, well, it can be psycho, death. psychopathology. 
Like, like they, they did the morphopsychology. They're like, as long as we put psych somewhere in there, people will think it's a real thing. That's right. So um, Jung goes on to say in his foreword, he says, the totality conception of modern biology and research does not exclude the possibility that puts it really wide, doesn't it? Does not exclude the possibility. <laughs> that's, ooh, that's some weird double speak. I know. That we hands, can't discount totally yeah, that maybe that it's not. Sort of. <laughs> that the possibility that hands, I am quoting again now, possibility that hands whose shape and functioning are so intimately connected with psyche might provide revealing and therefore interpretable expressions of psychic peculiarity. Wow. Of the human character. I, I know where we can find some psychic peculiarity. <laughs> and it's in this whole nonsense. So, but this is very much like what Anna was talking about, except we're looking at just the hand. You know, like, okay, so you look at the hand and then the, you can decide if the kid's going to be friendly or ornery or whatever. So, they're, they're like, currently. Hey, I just came up with another name. You want to hear it? <laughs> yes. Basketball cantaloupe. So is it like a syllable thing? Something about the rhythm of it. Da 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 so just so you know, this whole idea is actually being practiced like today in our yeah. world. That there are counselors. Oh, they call themselves oh, so counselors. So that was going to be my next question is like, because I, I know there's probably palm readers like in, you know, psychic reading shops right, on, right. you know, Los Angeles Boulevard. But like, it's not just like carnival hucksters. Like there's... Well, that might be arguable, but there are people who call themselves cryology specialists and they use that term that I said before that right now I can't think of, psychocryology. Sure. They use that term as, as the umbrella term. And what they do is basically <laughs> when someone comes in to, how can I say this? When you, when you would go to this therapist, the purpose would be to have someone help you to be more in tune with, it's like you and I always talk about self-awareness, yeah. except this is taking a weird route to self-awareness yeah and it kind of goes back to what you said about self-fulfilling prophecy so somebody looks at my hand and says okay bonnie you're fiery and you're blah 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 and i'm like oh okay well that's what i am and so it's kind of a weird way of but there are people who actually take stock in it it's hard for me because i don't want to bash somebody's beliefs my problem with palmistry is that it's and maybe this is wrong. Maybe I have just kind of the TV version of palmistry. Right. But it's like like the love line and the life line. That's like mm-hmm. predictive, which is not what psychology is. Right. So it offends me to hear about like a counselor using it because right. that's not what we do. Well, and and they do say that, that actually it's less of that. Oh. Like it said, this is, this is one of the quotes from one of the websites. Okay. It says, <laughs> palmist might take a fatalistic approach, while in cryology we emphasize free will. Okay. So, so what, what? No, I'm laughing because someone, I, I'm imagining me going to like a palm reader and being like, hey, what, what about my personality? Can you, and they grab my hand and they're like, hmm, well, all the Cheetos dust on your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Leads says, me to believe. I can, re- I can reliably. Die <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, really? 
your arteries are clogging as we speak. <laughs> I was just like, wow, doc, thanks. And, and cryologists who currently use this as a therapy, they focus more on the now. They don't look at the past or the future. They look at like, how, how is this affecting who you but are right now? what does that have to do with your palm? Let's talk about that, shall Let, we? Let's, let's talk please. about it. Okay, so here are some of the things. If you would go to a cryologist who considers themselves truly a therapist, they would look at the four major lines that you kind of mentioned. Okay. Your heart line, okay. your head line, your life line. And not all people have it, but there's one that's called a fate line. So, okay, so Sipsters, look at your own palm. How can they find these lines? Because I'm looking at my palm and there's one like... The easiest the one to top. find, the easiest one to find, in my opinion, is the lifeline. Which one? And that's that? the one that kind of curves kinda above s- your thumb. Uh-huh. Like if you're holding your your hand out and it's above your thumb and it curves down around the the, pad of your the thumb. fleshy part of your thumb. Okay, that's your lifeline. Right. Okay. And and so I'm not going to actually go through all the things about the lines because I think those are harder to find. But if you go online. They will show you like exactly how to look at that. The heart line is the one that's that would be the closest to your fingers. Oh, okay. So, so the it goes one above the lifeline. Two above your lifeline, actually. And this is the fate line, the one that goes down the center. And some oh. people don't have a fate line. Let me. I would like to come back to that, but I might not. Okay. Because what they're telling <laughs> Those you. Those are the options. Because, yes. Because yeah, what I think is easier to see to talk about without pictures for yeah. for our sipsters is the shape of your hand, and that determines kind of your personality type. Okay. Which makes more sense because like the lifeline and the head, the headline and the heartline, those are more like the psychic the thing. Hucksters. Yeah, thing. yeah. So the shape of your hand is supposed to be based on the five, like earth, air, water, fire. Oh, fine. Okay. I'm into it. The okay, elements. you got me back. You got okay, me back. Okay. The elements. Okay. All right, the elements. So if you look at your hand, this is one that I know neither of us have. The first one's called Earth. And if you look at your hand... Because both of us are missing our pinky fingers. Right. Is all you're talking about. <laughs> your hand, if you're an Earth person, your hand is broad. You have a, either a square, like a very broad square palm. At first I thought that was kind of me, but I'm not this is broad enough. This tough because I don't know what else a this, palm looks like. I'm is, looking at I my I know, own. your own. This is, the, this is a really important thing to do. If you measure your fingers and how long your palm is, that's going to be a, a very in, uh, important part. Okay. If you have like, if your fingers are the same length, like if you took your finger measurement and it's the same length as your palm, that's going to be significant. Or like my fingers are shorter than my palm. Do you see that? Yeah. I have short. I have a feeling your fingers are as long if not longer because you have very long fingers. Well, where does your palm start? It starts the crack of the, yeah. down to the bottom of your pads. That's how long your finger is? Yeah. You have long palms then too. Thanks. You might I not guess. be what I thought you were then. What? <laughs> I thought it's I like had I don't you. even know you. Who are you? <laughs> you cannot be my daughter. Okay, well let's Get talk to the people who, who have an earth hand. Okay. If you're looking at your hand. <laughs> sure, let's talk to this people. Who the hell are you anyway? <laughs> okay. Your palm is broad and square and your fingers, your skin is important too. If you're an earth person, your skin is thick or coarse and probably ruddy colored, like brownish. Is that brownish? Yeah. Like not as much pink undertones? Right, right. We're definitely pink. We are definitely pink okay. undertones. Um, and overtones and, and middle tones. for an earth person, the length of the palm equals the length of the fingers. 
So if they took their finger off and put it on their palm, it would be the exact same size, basically. Okay. And this is the personality parts of an earth. An earth have solid values and energy, but they're sometimes stubborn. Uh They're practical and responsible, but sometimes materialistic. And they work with their hands often, and they're comfortable with tangible things. Well, now wait a minute. I feel like that's me, but. Well, now wait a minute. Because if I have coarse hands that are. It might be because you work with your hands. Because you work with your hands. Right. Right. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. Okay. That's very insightful. Okay. Air is the next one. Again, we have square or rectangular palms with long fingers. That's just how palms look. What is the alternative here? Have patience, Anna Marie. Good Lord. But often you have protruding knuckles and low set thumbs. I don't know, Anna. You have a low set thumb. How, again, how do you tell? Like, I know what my hand looks like, but right. I don't spend enough time looking at other, other people's, people's hands to know That's if my true. thumb is higher or so lower So I guess set. if you if you would look at it. Air people, their skin is often dry. Oh, that's me. <laughs> and did I already say this? The length of the palm is less than the fingers. So your fingers are longer than your palm. Oh, well, that's not me. Okay. These people are sociable and talkative and witty. That's why I kind of thought that was you. I'm not sociable. You're witty, though. I'm witty. One out of three. All by yourself. <laughs> All by myself. You're talkative, too. But I guess be, I do have a podcast. No, this isn't, this, this isn't you. Can be shallow and spiteful and cold. That's not you. All true. Comfortable. <laughs> Who are you? Comfortable with the mental and in, intangible. I mean, yeah. Again, okay. This is kind of like when you read astrology. I was just going to say, one of the things that we considered doing for this episode was astrology mm-hmm. and I didn't I know some people who are really into astrology so I didn't want to like like you said kind of crap we don't on their wanna, beliefs yeah we don't want to bash somebody's but beliefs. with that and with this it's so broad right that you can look at it and basically fit into any category that you would like to fit that's into right. that's right and we're going to come put a pin in that and um, remember that okay. what you just said because I want to come back to that at the very end okay all right so water these are long, sometimes oval Water. shaped. It's a fin. You just have a fin. oval shaped palms because <laughs> oh, you can oval swim. Oval shaped because you swim real good. With long, flexible, conical fingers. What does conical mean? I know I should know that. Like your your conical fingertip is pointier than your base of your finger, maybe. Conical fingers. They're oh, like cones. Web webbing. Cones. Webbing. Conical, you duh. have webbing like a duck. Shh. Okay. Okay. The length of the palm equals <laughs> the length just of told the me to shut up. fingers. <laughs> <laughs> but it's less than the width across the widest part of the palm. What the heck? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> okay. These are creative people because they can swim, uh, but they can be moody and emotional. Did you say they're creative because they can swim? Yeah. Okay. Actually, uh, maybe this was the one I thought was you, except it says do things quietly. <laughs> But Excuse introverts me. can yeah. be moody, emotional, but it also says inhibited, which you're not at all. Okay, this is the one I think I am. Fire. Disinhibited. Fire. Fire, which is a square or rectangular palm, flushed or pink skin. Uh, that's us, baby. But then it says short fingers. That's not you. Well, apparently my finger, my fingers are shorter than my palm, either height or width. The length of the palm is greater than the length of the fingers. Yeah, that's that, me. That is you. Okay, well, maybe we're both fire, baby, because this does fit us, I we're think. We're fiery. Spontaneous, enthusiastic, and optimistic. Well, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> Sometimes egotistical, impulsive. This one, this I one hope. This seems meaner than This the one, ones. I hope, does not fit us. Insensitive. Yeah, I'd hope not. Extroverts, which doesn't always fit us, but it kind of fits me. It fits you sometimes. Sometimes. 
Do things boldly and instinctively. Well, sure, that fits that us. us. We kick butt. That's that's a hit, but that's be the only hit. The that, only hit. Again, this one seems less kind. Kind of mean, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of like Aristotle did it. Yeah. It's like so. If you have the right, like, an oval palm, you're super nice, and you can swim real good. And if you have pink skin, so, get out of here. So what? What? One of my things is missing. Earth, what? air, water, fire. What's missing? Those are the four elements. Love. The fifth element is love. The other thing they look at is the mounds in your hand, which sounds gross, but like when you kind of cup your hand when a little bit. When you're holding a mounds candy bar. <laughs> kind of cup your hand and then see those little bumps underneath your fingers, those little pooches. Yeah. I got really fat pooches. I, you got little skinny pooches, don't I you? I don't. That's a weird so thing to say. they read that. They read how how your palm. They read your lumps, your lumps, your right, lovely your lumps. palmy lumps. It's kind of like phrenology lumps. Yeah. But those are tied. in your hand meat. they're tied to things in the universe to planets like under your middle finger is called the saturn mount and if there's a big mount there it shows that you're stubborn and cynical and prone to depression if it's low it's an indicator that you're superficial and disorganized i don't so there's no in between uh, like Like, how do you measure it to somebody else exactly but i think see if you were a if you went to someone, they would be able to measure right, it, I think, right. is the deal. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. I like the the mount under your pinky is called the mercury mount. I do have a, that part's poofier on If mine. it's protruding, you talk too much. <laughs> but if it's low, it means you're shy. I def- that part's you're definitely, protruding, baby. That part's definitely Look the <laughs> poofiest. That we have in common. Oh, man. Okay, so then they put this big thing at the bottom. It says, none of this is based on science. (laughs) (laughs) You don't say. And your hands are known to change throughout time. Well, yeah, duh. One of the things. I mean, like, what? Am I in air in the winter because my hands are drier? Oh. Like, it's just weird stuff. Here's one. Okay. If you have longer fingers, it's an indicator of anxiety. Well, you always tell me I have long fingers. You do have long and fingers. And I do have anxiety. Short fingers. This is mine. Because <laughs> I, I definitely have short fingers. I have okay. oddly short fingers, in my opinion. I have little kid fingers. <laughs> you do have kind of kid hands a little bit. I do. I have kid hands. I have the sausage thing going on. <laughs> you the have King Henry VIII hands <laughs> if I ever did see him. Henry, baby, I got you. Okay, get this. Short fingers are found on those who are impatient, highly sexed, and creative. <laughs> Boom. Short fingers Boom. makes it hard to grab <laughs> drinks, so you're very thirsty all the time. And I'm dropping the mic. Um, Don't drop my mic, please. But uh, long fingernails, which, Again, yeah. that's very, I mean. So you grow your nails yeah. and I don't. Okay, long fingernails mean that you're kind and a good secret keeper. But short fingernails, because I can't play guitar if I let my nails grow long, right. means I'm critical and sarcastic. Yeah, that's But, sucks. okay, so, like, I, I guess I was critical and sarcastic until college, and then I stopped because I <laughs> then started... Then you became nice. I started growing my nails out because I bit them because uh-huh. of my anxiety. So I, I uh-huh. stopped doing that when I started growing them and painting them. So what, I changed my whole personality because I started growing my nails? That's bonkers. I stopped being cynical. If you can't tell, I'm never cynical now. So one of... <laughs> never. <laughs> she, like, choked. <laughs> I was just like, I can't uh, go on. Second. One of the things that came out in the book by Spear about the child's hands or whatever, hands of a child. <laughs> Your hands. It's a child. <laughs> These hands, hands, hands of a child, the Bonnie Nita story. 
farther away from her mic. (laughs) I'm finished. (laughs) I had something really important to say. The hands Uh, of a child. One of the things that he said was that we can help children in counseling who are too shy to tell us. (laughs) I don't get this. So like. They're like we can look at their. (laughs) (laughs) Their lands. And see. See their their problems. <laughs> child, child, I know this is awkward, but give me your little hand so I can look at it. Let me see your hand meet. <laughs> That's one of the things that he was trying to do. I don't get that. <laughs> Build rapport by looking at child hand meat. Come here, let me see your hand. Give <laughs> me it's just creepier and creepier the more we talk about it (laughs) but he presented it in such a way that he was trying to he was trying to help children to not be so pressed into talking about stuff right away i'm into that like that part because when you work with a kid sometimes you got to do some goofy stuff to open them up like one of my kiddos we really only started to like get him comfortable in counseling when when he comes in, we do a game where I blow a bubble and we pick a body part for him to use to pop the bubbles. Uh-huh. So we do that as our opening and our exit game as like a wind up and a wind down That's for cool. the counseling session. And it kind of gets him in the headspace. So yeah, sometimes you have to do like goofy little stuff. And I would take that better if it's like, ooh, let me read your palm. And then you can kind of use that as a way to talk about stuff that you maybe already know is going on in their lives. Yeah. Like using it as just a rapport thing mm-hmm. and a game. I'm not into it when it's like, and this is a legitimate part of my practice. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a line. <laughs> like I'm okay using it as like a goofy little game to make a kid feel more relaxed and comfortable. Uh-huh. But that's about all. <laughs> that's all. I that's all I <laughs> okay. So the point of this is, <laughs> what is the point? No. The point of this is, that we are always grasping for ways. <laughs> With our tiny child <laughs> I can hide my hands so I really can't make fun of them. <laughs> I'm saying we. You don't have tiny hands. You have long, very pretty. Uh, I have long witch fingers. <laughs> Better to collect your child hands. <laughs> we are always, as human beings, trying to find, trying to make sense of life. Pattern seeking and control. Exactly. Yeah, and, and we encourage constantly self-awareness. And so that's part of what we're grappling with all the time. Yeah. Like, how do I get to know myself better? And so we've talked about things like doing the, the Myers-Briggs and those kind of things to try to figure out, well, well, what kind of personality am I? Right. And what are my talents and what are my gifts and what is my personality? And am I the only one who has this personality in the world? And Which, so I'm I'm thinking of the palm type, like the element thing as like an online test or even like a Myers-Briggs type thing where you look at it and I can tell you maybe which kind of those element palm things that I think I'm more like. Mm -hmm. But even if it doesn't fit what my palm is telling me, that means I'm being self-aware and I'm trying to critically evaluate myself. Right. And I'm trying to think about what I'm actually like. We just have to be careful that we don't get too controlled You take everything with a grain of salt. That's exactly right. Because even... If you go and you read about chirology, 
there are so many, like we've talked about other things on different episodes, that there's so many differing reports. Like yeah. even just which hand you should read. Oh, yeah, I didn't even a, think about that. On different sites. Because I was just like, looking at my right because I'm right Right. Some, some people say that you should, that women should always use their right hand. Wait a minute. For females, the right hand is what you were born with and the left hand is what you've accumulated through your life. So like <laughs> all and, women are born without a left hand. <laughs> and for men, it's the opposite. So men look at their other hand. Or, but then there's a whole nother thing that says for everybody, male and female, left hand shows your potential, right hand shows what you've done with the potential. Uh, we don't have time so, to unpack yeah. this. So what I'm saying is there's so much yeah. confusing, like depends on where you go to look right. at the information. Right. So especially with this particular ology, there's a lot of conflicting information. And you can go out there and look look at different sites and for yourself and see what your lifeline says and what your heart line says and all that. The bottom line is what we just said, that you have to take it with a grain of salt, use it to let you... Evaluate yourself. Evaluate, that's the word I was looking for. But I've lost all words because, wow. we Just wow. We've got to call this episode like Beelzebub Cattle Prod's Handmaid, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we're going to end it. All right, right cool. Okay. Thanks for listening to Ugh. this stupid episode. Sipsters, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Sorry and thank you. <laughs> but thank you for putting up with us. And the next episode, we're going to do your mail. So please send us a mail. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my, my tail. Okay. Was that your thanks? We're done. Okay. Yes. Thank you so much for putting up with us, I guess. Instead of listening, it is putting up with us. Thank you especially for Bumblebee Cabbage Patch for being such a good sport. <laughs> Tweet us if you want me to stop saying your name wrong. <laughs> I dare you, I double dog dare you to come on the show and rip me a new one. <laughs> one of these times that's going to work. <laughs> you can find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are Freudian Sips Pod on everything. Uh, our site is freudiansipspod.com. Our email is freudiansipspod at gmail.com. Interact with us, especially because our mailbag is coming up. Send us questions you might have about episodes we've already done or maybe just things that you would like us to kind of address in a short form experience. Please reach out to us and please... Please talk to us. We love hearing from you. We're on Patreon if you want to support the show. We're Freudian Sips Pod on there, and we will soon be releasing our second Patreon exclusive about the second chapter of our book, Murder Yet to Come. Not our book. The book we're reading. It's, <laughs> we didn't write it. <laughs> Not this one. And please remember to leave us a nice rating and review wherever you can do that. So iTunes or Podchaser, please go leave us a rating, and we'll we'll read it on the air. Yes. Especially if you say nice things. <laughs> Our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this. Mm-hmm.